RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Fizz Hydration Tablets, the convenient way to get your hydration needs vitamins and minerals covered in one easy tablet to get a discount of 20 percent, use the code sport 20 at their checkout welcome back to episode 63 of the rugby renegade podcast uh, today we uh, have a real good chat with our very first ever podcast guest ed cosner um, and that was over four years ago so really look at what he's been doing since then and i guess the key thing he's currently working with uh, Nola Gold uh, in the MLR over in the States. So chat all about that. And of course, he still works uh, heavily with Ben Franks. So um, kind of hear about what, what he's doing, what they've got up to um, together, visiting some some different teams and sports. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Ed, welcome back to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Um, I was just saying we were talking before and it's, it's nearly, well, it's just over four years since we did that very first podcast. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of what you've been doing since then. Um, we, we talked a lot about the development of, of rugby in, in the States, and I know you've been working in that, so that'll be interesting. But why don't we start, you just tell us a, a little bit about your background for, for people who didn't hear that first podcast, and then go into a bit more depth into what you've been doing the last four years. Well, the, uh, well, <laughs> just like before, I mean, the background kind of like, I've been obsessed with being a strength athlete and, and now coaching for probably the better part of my life. Um, started lifting when I was a kid, like everybody else, but I just kind of took it to a, a whole new extreme, but, uh, started out my career as a, as a thrower mostly, um, in high school and playing football. And when I got in the army, I still was throwing, but I got ex- just obsessed with uh, being strong. I'm, World's Strongest Man was starting to, you know, show on TV in the 80s and all of that more. Um, being stationed over in Europe, you know, there was a lot more access to it. So, but I uh, knew, always knew that I wanted to be a strength coach. So, started training a few guys, like, privately that would, that would, wanted to, uh, you know, increase, you know, obviously increase strength. Because the San Antonio, there was only uh, basketball so the spurs were there um uh, some of those guys and i uh, started training a guy that uh, had played for john wooden at ucla and had never been had was not allowed to lift weights um john wooden didn't allow it because it would mess up their shot and uh david wanted to you know start training with me so i started training david greenwood who was a first round pick uh, got a few more guys and then volunteered to work uh, training camp for the houston oilers when they were still around before they became the titans and the strength coach there was like, well, you have to have a degree. I'm like, well, I'm a world-class strength athlete. What the hell I need a degree for? <laughs> but you got to have a degree. So went to a school, went to University of Texas at San Antonio where I started the uh, strength training program. Uh, they didn't have a strength coach. And so I started there going to undergraduate school coaching, went to Baylor, got my master's degree, and then got really lucky after that was uh, – Looking for jobs when the NBA lockout started, started and I uh, went back to basketball. Went back to uh, went to the Spurs when the lockout lifted. So I'm the only five foot ten, 125 kilo white boy with no jump shot with two NBA championship rings. So, <laughs> but uh, 
long time ago, I met Ashley Jones <clears throat> back in 95. So I went down and uh, visited him in 06 with the Crusaders and absolutely fell in love with, with the training of like the tight five, the front row. Basically, I get kind of hemmed in with, uh, with that because I, you know, trained Ben Franks. I, I've trained Owen as well here and there. Um, but having a track and field background that I do both in coaching and in that, plus I've trained, you know, I've trained everything from bobsledders to uh, Olympic gold, silver medal fencers, um, badminton players, judo, taekwondo, uh, a guy that was, uh, had won one of the great, one of the real big, uh, can't remember what it is now. Um, MM, not MMA tournament, but uh, you know, uh, like mixed martial or martial arts tournaments. Um, one of those like Gracie guys, and that trained him as well. So I could train everybody across the spectrum. I just like to train the guys that really want to work. Um, I got a lot of uh, high school players um, since we last talked, and I'd been living in Houston. I had my gym. Um, I had quite a few. I had uh, nine high school All Americans that uh, in, in rugby that have went on to play in now in college. Uh, another one's just now leaving high school and he'll be playing at the university of California. Um, and I have them all over the field. Uh, so don't always want to hem myself in, but that, that, that big, uh, big body is, is what I have. And, and so it's kind of like where I've gravitated a lot of my, uh, my stuff, my stuff to, um, is, is, uh, even with basketball, I, I concentrate a lot on the, on the bigs, the fours and fives, you know, seven foot kids. I have seven footers that have power snatched, you know, a hundred kilos off the floor at seven foot tall, six foot 11. Um, yeah. So, and I expect them to be able to be flexible enough and, 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 and talent and coordinated enough. Cause a lot of times you get them and it's no different in, in rugby. You get kids that either move like a drunken giraffe or a drunken rhino, um, can't figure out where their limbs are supposed to go. And so try to teach them, basically how to move first and then how to get stronger. So uh, not always, not always strength based. I mean, people look at me and they're like, Oh yeah, you're going to turn everybody into you. I'm like, buddy, you don't want to look like this. <laughs> well, that you, you uh, <laughs> nobody wants to sit next to you on a plane. My wife doesn't even want to sit next to me on a plane. So, but, uh, but you know, it, and it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, but this is the sports that picked me the, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't get to play rugby, you know, except a little bit in the army. Um, and that, I mean, I got the sport of, you know, Scottish Highland games picked me, powerlifting picked me, not Olympic lifting, powerlifting, because I wasn't that fast to be an, to be an Olympic lifter, but I'm strong. So, you know, you gravitate towards the, you gravitate towards the sports that are, you pull, they pull you, you know, the ones that you'll be good at. So, I never wanted to be that, you know, mediocre lifter or anything out there. So, but, uh, last year, two years ago, we, uh, my wife got a really good job, um, in New Orleans and I moved here and I, uh, became the uh, strength conditioning coach for the New Orleans gold on the MLR, uh, major league rugby. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. That, <clears throat> let's, let's talk about the MLR at the moment. Um, obviously with COVID-19 it's, it's, you know, thrown everyone's seasons into kind of disarray, but how was, how are things developing with, with rugby and, and obviously the MLR over in the States? It seems like the MLRs <clears throat> because I'm on a, you know, as a strength coach, you know, I don't get to go to all the meetings, that kind of stuff, but it seems like it's really doing really well. We have a, 
we're considered a small market in uh, New Orleans. Um, so, and we have one owner where some several teams have, you know, multiple owner owners. Um, and we're trying really hard to, and this is only the third year and it got cut short, really trying hard to develop a culture here. Uh, it's hard. A lot of the guys don't all live here, you know, so they're not together all the time. You know, there's very few. And last year um, was my first off season with them. We ended up having 18 guys um, that stayed around here in New Orleans, got jobs. Uh, the club paid for, I guess the phone club paid for some of their apartments and that, but uh, um, a lot of them got jobs to be able to pay for everything else. So just so they could train, they could train in the gym with me. And then the, uh, I would take them out there to do some running, running. And, you know, as soon as you introduce, Hey, I, I'm going to do some running on these with, with, uh, with some of the players, you know, the rugby coaches all want to come out there and, and help out. They all want to come out there and help out. They all want to come over and take over. <laughs> so, <laughs> And uh, my head coach, Nate Osborne, is friggin' awesome um, in that he will he'll teach me. You know, I, I'm, obviously the strength part's easy, and then learning, because I don't have um, access to a lot. Oh, wait a minute. Um, went to pet my stinky bulldog that got out of his, out of, out of his bed there. Um, <laughs> I don't have a, you know, I don't have access to a lot of the conditioning, the conditioning games. Um, the conditioning is not that difficult, but, you know, adding some of the games in. So Nate came out and we started doing a lot of, uh, you know, we would do some speed work and Nate would take him for some, for some skill work. And then I would get him back and, and, and get a little conditioning, get a little fatigue in him, And Nate would take him back and, and we worked really well that way. That's why this, uh, being shoved into a early off season at, after five weeks was really kind of, it hurt because these guys had really put a lot, a lot of work in. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy coaching here. I enjoy the players. Um, so the rest of the MLR, I mean, it, it seems like it's, it seems like it's doing well. I mean, they they seem to have a very good organization with all of them. Um, uh, we just added a guy, George Killebrew, uh, who's the, uh, I guess he would be the commissioner of the MLR and he comes over from the NBA was so, to be able to lure someone like that over to, you know, to, to run the organ, you know, to run the whole of the MLR has to, has to say something good about it. Um, and I got to, I got to talk to George cause I, obviously I, like I said, I spent, you know, from 99 to 03 in the NBA. And so we talked about different people that we knew and, and everything else. So, and then, uh, I, so you said, um, the, uh, Nola gold had signed a, uh, partnership with Claremont rugby. So that's been, uh, it was nice. They had some of their guys, uh, over here, uh, some of the, one of the strength coaches, one of the physios and the uh, manager of the team, Neil. Um, and then when we assigned it last year, they sent me and a player, uh, over and got to visit Claremont, got to visit their facilities. Also got to get said, I also got to visit Ben Franks over at Northampton with the saints and, uh, and hang out with him for a week, uh, for four or five days until I tried to eat him out of, <laughs> and and what um it's i'm hoping i'm hoping for a good season next year yeah yeah definitely what, and, and you, you mentioned ben now obviously we spoke a lot about your work with ben and owen um you know between and, and before world cups and things um what what are his sort of plans you, you mentioned before he's looking into coaching and things yeah, I think he's looking he's moving to a coach coaching position uh next um as he retires 
So I, I'm sure he'll make that announcement when they uh, when they officially end. I don't know when they officially end uh, thinking about coming back to the premiership. Uh, so so it's a. Uh, It'll be really good for him. I think he's going to be a fantastic coach, uh, not just because he was such a fantastic player, but because he's really, really worked hard at learning. I mean, he uh, that's the one thing he really he enjoys learning. And he he and I, I mean, we've been together training since early 2011. And I have introduced him to quite a few of my friends um, and, and, and that through through the coaching world. So he, he's got to do that. Um, like I was saying, he came over end of July, first week of August, which is the beginning of uh, training camp. Um, he had a week off. So he spent his week off in between training blocks with Northampton. He came and flew to Cleveland, and we stayed with the uh, Cleveland Browns for almost a whole week of their first week of training camp. Um we were, he was welcomed. We were welcomed in. A friend of mine is the head strength or the assistant strength coach, Evan Marcus, and Evan and I've known each other twenty plus years. So Evan asked the head coach, brand new head coach, and he let him, he let us come in. We had run of the place. We could go to any meetings that we wanted to. So Ben would sit in on some of the uh, the uh, offensive line meet, line meetings, or we'd watch the defensive line practice. We also got to eat. Oh, very, very well. They get fed very well, very well at training camp. <laughs> and uh, they even have a sleep, tra- a nap trailer. They bring in a trailer that has different beds in it, like little beds and little little areas. Yeah. And you can take a nap because they, they go to training camp at probably, I think they had to report by 730 in the morning and they might not get out till eight o'clock at night. Right. Uh, they're there the whole day, um, going to meetings, going to practices, going to weights, going to you know all all the different things that they have to do. Uh, they have a, quite a bit of downtime as well, so they have that. So Ben would Ben would be going on a run. My friend Evan would be going doing something. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go for a walk. I gotta keep my heart healthy. I'm gonna go for a walk. I walked right to the I right right, right to the nap trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a nap, got up, went back to the cafeteria, got me a snack. Ben, um, I thought you were gonna. I thought you. Were, yeah, yeah. I must have. I must have went opposite of you. Where, wherever you were running, I was opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Until until a couple of days later, he caught me coming out of the nap trailer. <laughs> so, and that was that was a lot of fun for for Ben to see that level. But obviously, I, I worked at I worked in that in training camps, but nothing like these guys are now. I mean, when I worked training camps, it was the mid '90s. So, what these guys get just the just how enormous some of the guys were, like your offensive linemen, you know, six foot six, six foot seven, but weighing 300 and so what, 135, 140, 145, 150 wow. kilos, some of these guys. And to watch them move was, was amazing, to, not just to Ben, but to me as well. And it's something that I've harped on with Ben, with all of my athletes, uh, whether it's rugby or anything else, is flexibility. Um, like I said, I'm a big boy. Uh, I have a, 400 kilo squat number of times in my powerlifting career and I can still damn near do the splits. I'm 58 years old. I can still damn near do the splits. I can pull my leg up. I mean, flexibility keeps you fairly healthy. It didn't help my Achilles that keep blowing out. But so that was something that I'd always preached to Ben. And when he got to watch some of these, um, these just, just ginormous guys, how flexible they were, it really kind of took you just not just to get into their position, but even beyond that, 
and it really kind of resonated with that. And we got some good, like some good training ideas. Um, I've always been a big believer in uh, not running the big guys all the time and using other ways of getting some cardiovascular fitness in on them. And Evan had some really good, uh, almost like meathead circuits, um, just so using uh, the helmets, uh, using a lot of, uh, yeah, there we go with the um, uh, strongman circuits. Uh, so we went out to the indoor football field, and Evan had been doing like, no, you're you're not going to beat Ben in anything. No, 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 I'm, I'm going to get him on this one. He, he he's not going to be able to handle this. I'm like, okay, um, you, you you go for it. So it was uh, two minutes on the ski ergometer, so X amount of uh, whatever meters it was. But then you had to take a thirty pound medicine ball and scoop toss backwards across the field and back. And then the next station was you took a hundred pound medicine ball on your shoulder, and you put a hundred and a uh, hundred pounds of a uh, of a uh, weight on a sled, and you pulled it across the field, and he switched shoulders and came back. And then he had a prowler set up, and you had to push the prowler out, or no, I'm sorry, you had to do um, arm over arm pull with a rope, and then push the prowler back. And it was many times as you can go, five minutes, um, whatever time it was. Ben, ben finished finished, and Evan was just starting his fourth round. I quit after two. I mean, I was done. <laughs> I used I used the I'm old, too old for this shit uh, one. So, uh, but and Evan was just I don't understand. I'm like you, you, you got you to watch the game of rugby to understand the motor that guys like Ben, Owen, and, and quite a few of these other guys um, have. And yeah, he was just just amazed at it, and then the competitive nature that all of us seem to have. Um, so we did a couple of grip challenges and it was always competitive and the players were just torturing my buddy Evan because Ben and I, the three of us looked like we could be brothers. So <laughs> it was, uh, and the players would come in and Ben being as humble as he is, you know, he's like, Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I play rugby. They're like, Oh really? He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I play, you know, I played in New Zealand. I played here and they were walked off. They're like, Oh, so he's pretty good. I'm like, Dude, that guy was won two world, um, gold medals in World Cup. I said he's a member of the. He was a member of the All Blacks. Well, why the hell didn't he say that? <laughs> he, um, the kid, the uh, Scottish Hammer, the the punter that they had signed. Uh, I guess he's a dad is from Scotland, or his parents are, and he played some football here. His father was an RAF uh, stationed in uh, in the U.S. for a while, and he ended up going to a small, predominantly black college. Because that's the only place he could, he, they would let him punt, and he ended up beating out the uh, guy that was one of the premier punters in the NFL. He beat him out, and he's you know still with the team now. Oh, wow. They call him the Scottish Hammer. <laughs> so yeah, we were you know talking to them and, and all of that. So it's uh, it's been fun. It, it's been good. And then I got to, I guess I, we uh, when we signed our deal with Claremont, and I went over. I uh, got to spend a few days with Ben, so I got to see Chris Boyd, who I knew from the crusade or from the hurricanes. And I got to meet the scrum coach and talk to him. Uh, some of the other guys. And I finally got, you know, a decent cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm drinking my tea over here. That's, you know, not even close. So I have to come, I have to come back so I can get some coffee. <laughs> and what would I, I've seen sort of pictures and videos of the facilities at Clermont. They look pretty impressive. What were your thoughts on them? I was pretty. I was pretty impressed. Um, 
with what they put their body through, I mean, 11 months of a season, that's just, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and, and then talking to the, uh, the head strength coach and I, Sebastian, uh, we have a common friend and a guy named Peter Harding, who's the, uh, high performance director for Tonga. I've known Peter for 20 years. I met him about the same time I met Ashley and Peter actually hired Sebastian 15, 16 years ago when he was in Claremont and then he left and they wanted to keep the, the you know, the French guy, he would, was doing the Academy. So they moved him to the, uh, the parent club. So, because he was kind of standoffish, you know, what's what's this American doing sitting here, you know, yeah, he's, you know, this and that, and um, I was uh, texting Peter, and I told Sebastian, I'm like, hey, uh, your friend Peter Harding, right? And he looked at, at me, I was like, yeah, he's talking some smack, but it's in French, and I don't understand French, so I handed him my phone, and all of a sudden, all the barriers were down then, you know, I, because you know, we knew somebody, and I, and I completely understand that, I'd be kind of standoffish if Somebody was sitting in my weight room, you know, and had no no clue on who the hell they were or anything else. So not that I'm protective, but I'm protective. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was a, it was good. It was a really good learning. And, and then I got to because I'll always step on the uh, my soapbox with, with some things. So we were talking. He's got a couple of big Georgian boys. Geez, they were strong. And so we talk about, you know, a little. Well, these guys, they can't do it because they're beat up here or there. So I taught them how to do dumbbell power cleans as opposed to, you know, doing them with the bar. And, you know, when I first learned how to do dumbbell power cleans, it looked like an ugly hammer curl, you know, with the dump, with the dumbbell, you know, this way. And now I've learned how to do them holding this way and using my traps more. Uh, my buddy Evan sh- taught me that. And it's, it's been great because I have some flexibility issues with my wrist and that, and I can still do stuff. So I introduced it to even the NOLA gold players and other ones is, is an option, you know, not the best, not, not what you want to do instead of some power cleans or hang cleans, but if you can't do it comfortably and you're going to decelerate it coming in, it means you're not going to really get the much out of it. But with the dumbbell, you can. And then I actually, was showing them how to use a log as well, um, you know, like strongman logs, the metal yeah. ones, because you got that neutral grip there. You can keep it down, and you're just going to roll. You can roll it up, so you just get in a better position to catch it, so that the, all that pressure doesn't go in the wrist or you know into into the uh, into the elbows, into the shoulders, and just destroy stuff. You're already destroying it playing rugby, so why beat it up? Why beat it up further in the weight room? That's the same thing for using different bars. And, and that Sebastian and I talked about several of the different bars that are out there, you know, not just the safety squat bar, but there's one called the ox bar from Sornex. Uh, it has a different break at the top. It breaks and then comes down almost like some of the Cambridge bars. Yeah. But the way that Richard Sorn designed that break was it's wide enough and big enough to keep it off the bar, off of your, your spinal cord. You get guys with neck injuries. You get guys that, you know, that have had like a stinger or some shoulder, some scap issues, because of the uh, because of the nerves coming through, and this this will keep it kind of off of that. Plus, it gives a little bit more contact if you're high bar squatting. You got a guy with traps on, big old traps. He's going to have a little bit less bar contact, and the bar will be wiggling around. So with this bar, it, it doesn't doesn't do it do it do it as much. Um, so between like that, the log, which you know the log is part of the reason that you see a lot of the the strongman guys using the big heavy dumbbells instead of a bar. You know, trying to keep their elbows and everything fixed in a position even with a bar 
kind of hurts. Um, otherwise, you know, if the bar was always going to be better, then you would have guys, you know, using a bar. But, you know, they'd rather try to get up a pair of, you know, well, for you guys, you know, 60, you know, 60, 70, 80 kilo dumbbells, try to get them up in a position. So this way they can have an elbow here, an elbow there. You don't have to be locked into a, you know, locked into a, almost like a machine position. Um, no, you can get stronger and, and not make things worse. Because yeah. for throwing for so many years, my right shoulder does not does not like me. So that will <laughs> always it will always be down. Um, it'll be always be a little bit different. My elbows a little little bit you know messed up on that side. So the dumb, dumbbells work a lot better for me. Yeah, um, no, so. that's a great tip, especially for like saying in rugby with the the wrist or shoulder injuries that are so common. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah, uh, and, you know, I, like I said, I love my Olympic lifts, but if I can do a hang clean with a log and then force them to go into a press off of that. They really make sure that they get it up high enough. They don't just leave it down here, but that log lets them get their elbows all the way through, go into the press and then bring it back down. It's not as great as a, as a, as a bar, but I'm not training weightlifters. I'm training this, I'm training this guy, in a, you know, to get stronger, to get more powerful, to get more explosive. Exactly. So whatever exactly. the hell I got to do us with the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, and it might even more mimic, you know, lifting and the line out and things like that as well. I know yeah. you can sometimes get a bit carried away with sport specific exercises, but right. you know, it just it just works the body in a similar way that's going to carry over to the game. So it's, it's a really good. And, point. and I use like, um, when Owen was first starting to uh, kind of get away from doing snatches, uh, he had talked to me about that. He, he just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I mean, it just it just hurt. And he loves to do them, like you know, you can. You can do this, this, and this, and you can do medicine ball throws. Because I, I mean, from before um, we talked and, and all that, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of medicine ball. Yeah. I mean, the Olympic lifts are are explosive, but to me, the Olympic lifts are explosive strength. I want to get some, I want to get a release of that that energy, or I want to get a, uh, I don't want it decelerated at the top, which is what you have to do to catch. So I want to be able to extend all the way through. So. You know, I'm gonna use a medicine ball. To me, the medicine ball for big guys is like using plyos for the little guys. You know, I need those. I need those hips to be explosive. I need to. I need to fire it off. Um, I have a player over in Canada right now, Blake, who is uh, uh, whatever he playing in one of their top top. But and I make him to put two medicine balls out on a wall and he had to, it's one, you know, whatever they are, they can be 16 pounds, maybe 12 pounds, doesn't matter, but he has to get it up down. So he has to explode up off of the uh, ball, get, get himself into that good position, chest pass it, drill it off the wall, shuffle over to the other one, get that one, do that, get ready, find the other ball, you know, shuffle back over, find the other ball, get it, throw it up. So he's got to do four touches on the ball and he has to get down on his chest every time. So as to explain to him is like if you if you're out of position or if you're not in a good good position to do some do something that ball is not really going to hit the wall very hard but if you're in a good mechanical position like you would be after you get up out of a tackle or you get up off of a ruck or anything like that you want to be in that good position scanning the field so now you have to find a ball you have to go to it you have to go to it and you do that a few times and the heart rate goes up out of the roof out of the roof and uh most of the time they don't like me they like the <laughs> results they just don't like me after that <laughs> no that's a, that's another cool drill as well as, a, as an option now um this 
this question we ask all the guests, and obviously we've asked you this before, and it's it's what's the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning. And last time um, you kind of highlighted, which which you see a lot, is where players are like, oh, I'm in season, it's just maintenance. And I said for those French players, you can't be in maintenance for 11 months of the year. So um, <clears throat> obviously you can't use that as your answer again. You've got to do something else. So it might be something that you've seen more recently in the last four years, or you know what what you think is the second biggest mistake, I guess. Concentrating too much just on maximal strength. Uh, a lot of guys, they they just want to concentrate on being strong, uh, especially, you know, my guys, or, or which would be, you know, in the like the tight five or even the front row guys. Yeah. You still got to be able to use the strength. Um, there's other ways, of, like we were just talking, there's other ways around the Olympic lifts and that, but a lot of times just not really wanting to work just wanting to work what's comfortable, which is that maximal strength. That's, 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 that's a good one. That's a fun one to develop and everything else. And then not working enough speed. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the conditioning, like the mass conditioning or this, that it's just not fast enough. And then you, you, you want to get some speed work in. So those would be two things that I keep seeing, uh, quite a bit of is just not enough athleticism, uh, you know, so, you know, after you get done doing, you know, your heavier squats or your heavier, everything like that, or even I do a lot before when I write programs, uh, I write it before. So you might have some 10 or 15 meter sprints before, you know, and they might be like a little rolling, you know, roll in, roll in, take off gear back down just to get that, that, that nervous system firing just for that speed. And then go inside and, and do that. Cause I'd rather you see you warm up like that maybe some med ball throws and then go inside the gym and get your, and get your strength work done. And then you're done. And if you have accessory work to do, or, you know, front row, you need to make sure, you know, we're, we're putting some size on, uh, some quality size on the shoulders. You know, sometimes when I tell people we're going to put some size on you, I, you know, it's not, it's not opening a bag of Cheetos and putting some mass on, on your gut, you know, <laughs> if you can't see your feet, you really can't, you really can't do much out on the rugby pitch. Um, so, and it was like that in football with, with my high school kids, uh, their coach would tell them, Hey, you need to gain 30 pounds this summer. Yeah. No kids gaining 30 pounds in the summer, but so they took that to eat, eat like a, you know, eat like a horse, you know, going through McDonald's 50 piece chicken nuggets. I had one kid that used to, used to come to the gym and every, at least once a week, he had a 50 piece chicken McNugget. <laughs> and it, his mom's like, oh, you made me drive through the McDonald's and get him a 50-piece chicken McNugget. And I looked at him. I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to see all of those McNuggets here pretty soon because you've got to <laughs> do some, you know, some stuff, and it's hot. And it was like, my workout buddy Darren was like, does he drive? No. Oh, oh. Well, then he really didn't make you do anything. <laughs> so, but I said, you you there's a place for everything. There's a place for that maximal strength. I like to take that maximal strength and find it, work it, but then make it repeatable as well. So you can have a you know you can have a nice you know 200 kilo deadlift. I like a clean pull a little bit more, or at least with a little bit of a shrug, because I don't ever want to just get to the top of a lift and stop. You know, I, I want even if it's just a, even if it's just a little hip shrug, even if the ball. Just think about continuing through, like you're going to continue through on a tackle or anything else. But, you know, do that and then 
bring the bar, bring that weight down just a little bit and get some repeated strength. You know, it's one thing to get it one time, but I'd like to see you get it, you know, three times, four times, five times. Well, I don't do any fours. I'm that much of a meathead. It's three, five, or eight. Those are those are the rep numbers. I I couldn't program, I couldn't program seven to save my my. I've tried. I couldn't program the number seven to save my life. <laughs> one of one of my old bosses used to do it, and the players used to freak what? out when they saw seven in a program. It used to it used to send them crazy. Oh yeah, I could go twelve, eight, you know, uh, five, three. Yeah, I'm great at two, one. <laughs> and I do the same thing. It, and it's it's a thing though with the guys that like the that like, like like the strength. I'll do the same thing. I'll fall into if I don't have a program written and a goal set in place. I will fall back into what's the most comfortable for me. What's the most comfortable for me? Getting stupid strong. Even at 58, I'm still trying to get stupid strong. Yeah. And so, but there's other things that I need to do. You know, I was getting strong here, getting strong there, and took a look at my legs. You know, after I blew my Achilles right before I moved here two years ago, I blew my other Achilles, and like. My flexibility is a little bit different, you know, getting down to the ground, my ankles. Uh, I've been working on that. And now that I can finally get down there, like uh, earlier in the year, I was finally able to get down there where I was really comfortable. Like using a trap bar with no with no blocks underneath, no high handles, just the regular handles. Yeah. It was, you know, trying to get down there. And then all of a sudden it was like, wow, why is my rear end and my hamstrings hurt so bad? And then I looked at a video of me doing it. And I was like, I thought I was doing trap bar deadlifts, not trap bar rows. Like I looked like I was doing a barbell row because I couldn't get my butt down there because right. my knees and hamstrings had tightened up so much from not getting down. So, you know, using exercises like that, I'll promote my flexibility that way. Um, I like to, you know, get some stretching in the evening, a little bit of foam rolling. Um, when I got something that hurts, I, I don't seem to do very well at doing it maintenance wise, but, but like I said, to me that, um, I'm still a real big believer, like getting strong throughout the season, but you got to pick and choose your battles. Um, when I was in the NBA, you know, you had an 82 game season. Uh, when I worked, I worked with Bob Sutter's, uh, yeah, long season there. I mean, uh, and that's, you have to look at the schedule and start looking and saying, all right, well, you know. These, this game here is not that tough. Uh, this team's not that not that bad. Well, this is going to be a big physical team, so why don't I give them some recovery here? And even if it doesn't fit inside of your four-week block or six-week block or three-week block, whatever you like to program, sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone as well and, and look at that and say, well, you know what? I need to get this guy. I need to get him a little bit stronger right here, and then I can give him you know, two weeks, and then I can give him a little bit of break you know, while they do that. And then I can pick it up on the other side of that, which is uh, kind of like we had talked, um, is what I did with uh, Ben a lot of times when they would make that long trip from Christchurch to go play in South Africa. And I knew that the bars in South Africa weren't that great. You know, they weren't going to spin like the ones that they, you know, they had access to back home and everything else. So we would make that more of a power bodybuilding kind of, uh, kind of a cycle. Knew that when they first got off the plane, they were going to be tight uh, from sitting on a plane for so darn long. And that, so to me, it's looking at the, the, the whole schedule and, and doing that. And that's what I talked with, uh, with, uh, Sebastian about is, you know, we just talked about different ways of, of getting strong, of getting strong. Um, and then there's times where, you know, you gotta just, 
you gotta kind of bite the bullet and you know let them get let them get a little bit strong add some stuff in it at the end of it like the uh the plyos i mean there's no reason that a big guy shouldn't do plyos i saw you guys had put up uh gunner verner's uh yeah um, uh, i actually trained with one of his uh, old workout partners when i was uh, oh, wow. in germany stationed there um and i was i like i like throwing um obviously it's why the uh the uh, Highland Games were so obsessed to me. Uh, is is that blend of you got to be stupid strong to hold a you know fifty six pound weight and spin and throw it or throw it for height, but you still got to be athletic and explosive enough to throw that twenty eight pound weight, you know uh, the cabers and everything else. Wide shoulders and short arms. The hammer was never my friend. <laughs> the most that was that I could possibly have kind of like in powerlifting to bench press great squat good dead really good deadlift and then a bench press where oh that was in kilos no that was my weight in pounds um, <laughs> I'm that pathetic I'm that pathetic hey can we do shoulder press instead like push press behind the neck instead <laughs> I'm great there <laughs> so I could probably still do more weight uh, push press behind the neck than I can a bench press it's, it's really Really bad. <laughs> well, I think it, a lot of what you said there, it goes back to what you said earlier that you know we kind of gravitate to to what we're good at, and and like you say, type five and especially front row players that you know gravitate to the kind of strength side of things. Um, and and also when you were saying about, I'm glad you mentioned it. How you know some of them put on size the wrong way. You know, don't do it over time, and you know slowly put on lean lean mass upon a bit too much right. fat so how do you deal with those those front row players who maybe need to lose a bit of uh, fat mass because um, it's, it's always there's kind of the psychological angle of it where you know they don't want to lose weight because they're worried it's going to affect right. their scrummaging um, right you know mass moves mass yeah. so that's where that's the theory that comes with that um that's a hard that's a hard one for me i'll i'll, I'll usually sit down and we'll and we'll talk about we'll talk about that uh and then trying to give them options to not just run a lot of times because we had a couple here and um, that needed to lose some weight. Uh, had a couple of dad bods and, and uh, not good. So, but what happened was doing some of the stuff that they were doing, they ended up loot cannibalizing their muscle tissue and they still, still got, you know, still got fat. Hmm. You know, they lost weight, but what weight did you lose? So trying to talk to them about their diet. And that's hard here um, in the MLR because, you know, well, we got this year, this past season, we had a great guy that was cooking for us for lunch. And we had lunch almost every day. And it was pretty damn healthy. It was really good. But it's when they're away from the way from everything. So trying to educate them a little bit more on their eating. You can't come over here to lift at 830 in the morning and you haven't eaten yet. Um, don't think that their protein shake is going to be the best is going to be the best option. So trying to teach them how to make, you know, steel cut oatmeal that takes a half hour to make and put it in a great big container and just, you know, spoon it out a little bit, and, you know, microwaving it with a couple of hard boiled eggs makes it easy to eat healthy. And I mean, that's what I have in the morning for breakfast and that. So trying to get that part and then try to get them to understand that the weight you have is a weight you have to carry around the field. And if your coach is playing an up-tempo game that really wants to get in there and, you know, and, and, and keep moving, like, you can have cardiovascular fitness, but you if you don't have some strength and explosiveness, you're not moving that body very fast. And, you know, a lot of guys, they, they like I said, they, they 
with a lot of the slower running, you know, obviously trying to, you know, get that cardiovascular fitness in, but not having the ability to be able to move, you know, five meters in any direction and do it over and over and over again without grabbing your knees and that's it. So a lot of that is with that. So, and that's why I like the, uh, I use medicine balls, uh, for circuits, um, when I can, if I can find a wall big enough, um, and then the uh, the strongman circuits that my buddy Evan had uh, had come up with, and then I kind of hybrid and looked at it a little bit. Uh, those are really good ways of doing it because you can get that cardiovascular fitness, you can get that that appetite for strength that you have, but you're gonna get you're gonna drop some weight. You know, you're gonna drop some of that fat because it's it's not hard enough to be you know that aerobic side where you're you're really you know grabbing at some of that muscle t- or muscle tissue you know, for energy, you know, you really kind of stand within there because you're moving from exercise to exercise and you can put them that way any way you want. You know, you know, I, I didn't have a, a ski ergometer. I used a tire and a sledgehammer, you know, the other day um, and then pulled a sled and that kind of stuff. Or you can, you know, and I, I include those as, as, as kind of like finishers. Um, I'll uh, use a kettlebell at the end of a workout, we might do kettlebell clean and press, uh, might do some other stuff. It'll always be a full body movement where they're getting, they're getting things, you know, whipped up. But a lot of times, uh, especially here, uh, I don't know about there, but a lot of times it's, it's eating. Uh, it's, it's just getting a hold of their eating and just hardening some things up. If they feel comfortable playing at 120 kilos and I'm telling them they, uh, well, you may be 115 and that, yeah, you're, that's a psychological thing there. So maybe we might start at 118. And, and kind of stay there. Bell always has some of that because he stays very lean, very strong, but very lean. He doesn't have; he's not carrying a lot of uh, you know fat or anything else around. He, you know, there's no there's no belly jiggle. You know, he's got you know you know what I mean. So <laughs> that's uh that's that's kind of the the one that I look at. And this year we were getting ready to we signed with a new. Um, uh, medical team that provide all of our physios and all of our other stuff with Tulane Medical. Uh, so we had, and we got them late. Uh, I think we were already getting ready for our first game uh, when we got them. So we didn't have them during preseason or anything. So we didn't get to do all the medical stuff. So this year it looks like we're going to do, well, for next season we'll do body fat testing. Um, as we, you know, They'll do that because they have, uh, you know, it's Tulane University as a really good university here in New Orleans. So they have the, their whole university. They have a great, fo- good, great football program. A friend of mine happens to be the strength coach for um, in that. But they also are a medical school. So they'll have, like, real – this is what these people want to do, you know, exercise physiologists and everything else. So I don't have to do it, which is fantastic for me. So we've got uh, GPSs in about the second week but no no help on how to put it together we had to kind of learn it and then they were gonna you know have some courses the whole mlr got it a lot of us had never really used it before Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah i'm uh, okay and then they have you know guys in their biomedical department that that's what they want to do so they were going to come out and set it all up and monitor it and and, you know do the reports and everything else was like okay great so that'll be for, for next year so we'll have a little bit better idea next year on some of that but uh and then getting the coaches to 
you know, talk to their talk to the players. So, you know, for me, it would start first with their uh, position coaches. Uh, so their forwards coach and, and, and that their head coach, they have an idea of how big they want them or where they want them. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's it. It's just it's a touchy thing because uh, when I first started coaching in college, you couldn't uh, you couldn't weigh the girls. Uh, uh, there were a lot of eating disorders uh, in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out of that, so you had to be real. T- you had to be real careful walking around that. So I always kind of prefer to, that the medical experts, the physios, and all of that, uh, the d- nutritionists. I, I prefer that they do theirs. Just like I don't want them in my lane, I don't want them in the weight room t- dictating to me anything. Uh, I don't want to step on their toes either mm-hmm. and, and tell them, "Hey, well, and said I, I needed to lose ten pounds." So I'm just doing all of this, and they're looking at it like, yeah, well, that's not the right way of doing it, you know. So that's their uh, that's their expertise. So I'd rather let them do what their job is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, you, like in in your own training and and the the training you program for your clients and things, you've you've obviously exposed yourself to lots of different you know strength sports. Um, you mentioned hiding games, powerlifting, Olympic lifting. Um, and we briefly spoke about like you know your your old old school lifters um, on the last podcast. Now, yeah. What what can you kind of glean from those kind of lifters? And and is there anyone that you'd recommend like looking into or you know reading up on? Um, I've kind of you know I, lifters are for if you're a lifter, um, you know the power lifters, the weight lifters, the old strong men. I like the old strong men. Uh, the 80s and 90s, uh, where they were still, it was a, still a bit more athletic, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of how I got to the Highland game so much. Is I'm not that, I mean, my wrists aren't that big, my hips aren't, you know, I'm not that wide, you know. Um, and, and so, strongman wasn't never going to be the the sport for me. I also watched how many bicep were torn and everything else it meets. So. But I like those older ones. I like the older um, power lifters that I was around, that I grew up around. Rick Gogler, who was my trainer, who was a world champion um, from Corpus Christi, Texas. I actually got out of the Army and moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, knowing nobody except for him, just to power lift for him. Just to be on, you know, be able to be trained by this guy. This was in 1985. Um, I was stationed about six hours from Corpus Christi. I used to get in my Jeep and drive down there almost every other weekend to lift and then drive back to go on to go to duty. So those guys, they were athletic as well. Like I said, you know, we, we used to run sprints. We used to used to do all kinds of other stuff. We didn't just lift. Now power has become very, you know, I, I move here, you know, I do this and that. So, some of the some of the things you can get from some of the newer power lifters. Um, there is one that I'll tell everybody to follow is Donnie Thompson. Yeah. Um, Donnie has got some fabulous ideas with his, not just with his uh, with his rollers. Um, the the uh, bow tie has helped my shoulder quite a bit. Uh, a lot of his other ideas and, and things like that that he puts out. I mean, he's a, it was him and Evan that taught me how to use the uh, kettlebells more. And, you know, yeah, Donnie's that's how like, I heard of him. He was one of the powerlifters yeah. to kind of adopt kettlebells, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And he is—he's really smart guy. But like, keeping the body healthy, you know, you got a lot of powerlifters, you know, pec tears, bicep tears, and all of that. And he's got ways of keeping that from happening with with his stuff. And he puts a lot of ton of stuff out for free. 
Um, my other one is my buddy Aaron Asmus, who is was used to work for Sornex, and now he's back. This is his second stint coaching for the uh, uh, UCL. Uh, no, USC. Good God, if I said UCLA, I'd get it killed me. <laughs> uh, he's at uh, he's at USC. Actually, Ben just talked to him um, yesterday. Ben said I got called Ben later uh, because as Ben moves into coaching, this is what I mean about about him being will be a great coach. So he's going to move into coaching. He's going to move into coaching 18 to 23, 25-year-old guys like we do. Well, how, how, do I, how do I get them to buy in? How do I get them to do the things that I want them to do? How do I get them to understand, like, I'm coming from private work where they were paying me into, into MLR. I'm still having, you know, some growing pains on that. The best thing to do. I told Ben would be talk to Aaron and got you know those two got hooked up together and Ben said he's got to uh, he's got to rewrite all the notes because he's got notes all over the place from talking to Aaron. So and Aaron gives a lot of stuff. He does a pen and paper strength app besides his own uh, thing. Uh, he's got some pretty you know pretty cool workouts and, and that kind of stuff that he puts up and a big motivation uh, on things. But for Aaron. Aaron was a preferred walk-on, which means, yeah, you can come to school and throw as a shot putter, but I don't have a scholarship for you. And then he, I, got, I, I know that he earned himself a scholarship at the University of Tennessee, and he ended up becoming a national po- uh, champion in the uh, shot put. And Aaron's a big boy. He's the one that uh, started Squattober, you know, every okay. squat every day in October. Yeah. That's, Aaron's, that's Aaron's love right there. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, He's got some really good ideas with that, but you get again. He was athletic. He had to be able to move. He had to jump. He had to clean. He had to you know snatch. His uh, his coach was Tommy Moffat, who's at LSU. Here, Tommy is probably one of the greatest strength coaches around. Uh, in, in that, a shame that he doesn't really put a lot of stuff out or anything like that. You know, there's a few of them. I think Tommy's just a little bit older than I am. Even is I'm learning how, still learning how to put stuff on social media. <laughs> But uh, you know, Tommy's got a hell does a hell of a job at, at UCLA, where it seems like a lot of guys, like Alabama fired their strength coach uh, to, uh, Cochran, and he went to Georgia. But they brought in a couple other guys, and they're more like almost it seems like they're almost a lot more science on, on that side, and it's just not that blend right there. And much as I like my buddies from uh, Alabama, LSU still gonna stomp the daylights out of them doing you know heavy heavy triples in a power clean. Behind the neck jerks, uh, heavy squats, big benches, you know, a lot of dumbbell work. But he, when you say old school, a lot of guys kind of like, oh, shit, you're just, you know, you just do this. They don't understand that we do look at, you know, the science behind things. Uh, we, and I've been looking at the science. I've been looking at the physics behind every sport that I've ever coached, including the stuff that I do. You can't be a – can't throw in a Highland Games without understanding physics. You, you can't look – you know, I got into you know rugby. I mean, my education on the on the front row and even the second row was living with Ben Ben for almost six weeks after he won World Cup in 2011, and I went down there. I think the next day or two days later, he had just moved into his his house after the earthquakes in Christchurch. He had he just moved in the day before, um, and uh, my education was in the morning watching videos with him so I could understand better the body positions. Uh, when I worked with a lot of basketball kids, I would sit, even though I was with the Spurs, I would sit behind their parents at high school games because um, several of the guys, their parents, they played for the Spurs. And 
but sit behind the floor. I assumed that I knew nothing. You know, I just sat there with my mouth shut and a, and a, and a, pen, and a pencil and a notepad, and, and I would take notes on that. Uh, so, you know, people make the wrong assumption when you say you're old school. They think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make them lift heavy, or I'm just gonna do this. Well, you know, I didn't get a master's degree in physics of human movement for you know for nothing, and so I use it, and I, and I use it quite often. Unfortunately, I think that I use my philosophy degree that I got as an undergraduate student when I got my PE degree. I got a degree in philosophy as well, and I think I use that more than anything else to uh, get these guys to do what I want them to do. Uh, I'm real big about educating them. Uh, hey, you know, this is what you're going to do, and this is why you're going to do it. And I have to find different avenues to get everybody to because where where you know, where the guys in the in the front row, big old friggin' meathead. Of course, they want to lift weights. You know, they want to squat heavy. They want to pull some of the backs, not so much. So so I go, always go back to when I was with the Spurs or even in college coaching, but with the Spurs I had more. I had a guy, Malik Rose, good ball player, kind of a small, we call him a four, so a power forward, but kind of small. So he was he needed to be strong. He needed to be fast. He needed to be able to get he was aggressive. So he would give me his workout. My boss would give me his workout, and then Malik would fill it out. And I looked at Malik, I'm like, Dude, seriously, I'm not putting my initials on this program. This is a joke. You did 40 kilos for your hand cleans, and you did four sets of three with 40 kilos. I got girls that are in high school that do that more weight than that. So if you do this for me, because I figured out what he liked, so if you do this for me, I'll teach you two new arm exercises today. Oh, he would go and he would kill himself, and then I had to teach him two new arm exercises. For David Robinson and a few of the other players, we would do like Vern uh, Gambetta is one of my one of my guys I really like uh, him and, and Al Vermeil when he was with the Bulls. A lot of uh, medicine ball work, and so like teaching David how to do some pattern work on, on medicine ball, getting getting some flexibility. And I told David, I'm like, one day I don't even know how I came up with this, but I was like, David, listen, if you do this, this is really going to help your golf your golf swing a lot more. Because if you get flexible and it can stay back there, you know I started, you know, going to that physics part of it, you know, and you accelerate, you're not gonna, you're, you'll be able to accelerate the club head. You won't be so tight going back there. Oh, talk to me, talk to me, Big Ed. T- tell me more. I was like, yeah. you make a living playing basketball, and you spend part of that betting guys, you know, while you're playing while you're playing golf. But yeah, let's concentrate on your golf game. But it made them do the things that I wanted them to do. Uh, so. Always trying to find ways, and it kind of bit me in the butt a little bit this year here uh, with Nola Gold. It's trying to get a little too too many personal programs going at, at, at the same time, and having to take the time to develop them. So instead of getting, you know, this is what you need to get done, and then start, you know, hybriding off of that, because we really do get a lot of guys that are all over the place here. We get guys that have never lifted weights. Uh, we get guys that are at the beginning of their career out of college, or we get guys, you know, a lot of our foreign players are towards the end of their career, you know, and they're coming over here and, and they're really doing a, a big service to it is, is they're teaching the guys how to play a little bit different. You know, you get, you get some Americans here um, and while we're getting better, and that it's still too many places. It's still a, a, a club sport. You know, there's no, there's not a lot of coaching. 
Um, you know, it's not everybody's a University of California with 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 Jack Clark, and that not everybody's going to be you know Penn State where they got good coaches and, and, and that. You know, you're going to have a lot of other places where the coaches are volunteers or they're getting a little bit of money from the rec sports, from the club sport. So they're not getting a lot of uh, stuff from the from the university. They're not getting a lot of funding or anything else from the university. They're getting some help, but not very much. So until that kind of changes, you know, so a lot of the foreign players, they come in and they kind of fill that gap as, um, you call player coaches if you want. I mean, you know, they're, they're really running a lot of the stuff, helping, helping the coaches out quite a bit. So, but you get guys that are towards the end of their career really haven't lifted that much or, or anything else like that and or coming off some injuries you know I gotta I gotta work around that as well so it seemed like I had 50 different programs going for 30 guys <laughs> um, no some some great points there, and it's going to make my next question quite hard to answer because you've, co- you've covered tons of, of really good advice all the way through and it's what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach learn um don't be afraid to, to reach out to other strength coaches. Um, social media is a great thing now. I mean, the, the podcast that you put out, the podcast that you know, a few other people put out uh, are really fantastic and uh, getting – and then reach out to that person. Social media gets you to reach out. I mean, I get people reach out to me all the time, not just for, for rugby, but from – you know, I had, uh, I had heart surgery five years, five and a half years ago and, and how I came back from that and everything else. And, and, and that so you know reach out to these guys when I was uh, first coming up I had a notebook and in my notebook I had the coaches numbers and their names and it's something about them uh, something personal about them that I learned maybe at a strength conference or something and I would call them every so often and, and just kind of touch base with them uh, there was some guys you know I knew they were in season with the NFL I wasn't going to bother them so I'd call them in the middle of the night like when I got home from something when I knew they weren't there and just leave them a voicemail and, you know, and, and reintroduce to myself or say, hi, send them a card, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, so when I was finishing school and I was going to graduate school, looking for graduate positions, I had several different options. I, I had a lot of options to go to and, and, and I learned a lot more and I learned a lot from everybody. Um, obviously I love the free weights and, and, and that's where I, that's where I, I kind of, my bread and butter is back in the day, there were a lot of, uh, called them hit guys. That was when Nautilus and uh, hammer strength first came out and, you know, one or two sets to failure, uh, know this, know that. But I even learned some stuff from, from guys like that. Uh, and then now with, the um, with the online online availability of coaching courses. Uh, there's a company called Altis, A-L-T-I-S. Uh, yep. Stu McMillan runs that. Uh, I'm, t- I'm taking his uh, short sprint course right now. Uh, I'm going to take the, the thrower's course, the throws course's course, and that's only because it has some strength and power in there, so I, I want to look at that. And then just for the mechanics of it and make myself think. And he has also one called Essentials, which is a kind of a shorter course for his... Um, foundations course which are I, I look at looking at it like teaches you some of the things you probably didn't learn in college where you're, you're at university where you know you would go into your first job and have your your head coach would have to kind of teach you through that um so Stu, Stu's running he's always running he's running a 20 percent off I told him he has to stop that because I had the one course courses bought 
and then I bought the other two because they were on sale. My son of a gun, you, you guys take that off. He's uh, he's talked to me before. Um, he uh, he's got a uh, course that he's finishing finishing writing um, on uh, speed speed work for for field sports because I you know you look at track and it's like yeah that's a very upright torso. You know they get upset if you you know if you cross that white line into their lane can't touch them. Everybody's like, no. I make fun of my track guys all the time. I'm like, you know, because back in the day, Al Davis, he, when he when he ran the uh, when he owned the uh, Raiders till he passed away, '84 Olympics were in Los Angeles you know, at his Coliseum where he where, where the Raiders were playing, and he was watching these guys sprinters go. He's like, oh man, I, they get on a football field, they can go. No, there's a reason they're sprinters. They can't catch. <laughs> you know, they can run that way. They can run a hundred meters, and it takes them five, ten minutes to recover before they run another one. <laughs> so, you know, there was only a few guys that, that the NFL guys were jonesing over. It's like weightlifting when some of the guys at the Olympic weightlifting level, you know, you see some of the leaner, super heavyweights. They're like, "Oh shit, I could teach that guy how to play football right now. I could do that." I'm like, no, there's a reason he gravitated to that sport. <laughs> there's a big reason for it. <laughs> so, the the learning. The learning for me was, was hard when I first started, so I got lucky in that I'm not I'm not too ashamed to uh, go and talk to coaches at straight conferences or anything else. And they were very approachable back then. I, I haven't been to very many. I still talk to a lot of them with the social media and all of that. Man, you can learn so much getting out there and, and, and doing that. And a lot of them, a lot of the young ones, you got some good ideas. That, that's great. You know, and share those ideas. But some of us, some of us guys that have been around for a while, we got good ideas too, and, and you need to kind of listen to us as well. Um, Al Vermeil had a good one, and uh, I said Al won What the heck? <laughs> you there, Jamie? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I've got you just starting the, the Wi-Fi oh. dipped out a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's poor. But uh, like I say about Al, I mean, you know, six NBA championships, everybody did Olympic lifts. I trained Will Perdue when he was uh, when he was with the Spurs and he had played with the Bulls. He had Olympic lifting shoes at size 21. Wow. <laughs> 21 Adidas lifting shoes. Uh, Steve Kerr, you know, lifted you know, the, the Olympic lifts at, at uh, and, and uh, Sean Elliott. But Steve did at University of Arizona under Meg Ritchie, who was a world-class thrower, first female strength coach in the Division One uh, at University of Arizona, and then with the Bulls. You know, so Al had said something, a couple of things. And one is he spent more money on staff development than he did on new equipment. So they would bring guys in or they would go to clinics and, and, and things like that. And then his other one is, tell me what exercise you think you invented and I'll tell you what we used to call it. <laughs> you know, none of the, you know, everybody puts their own little twist on it and, and, and don't get, a, don't get offended when somebody asks you to defend it. You know, um, when I first started going to NSEA conferences, in the mid '90s, uh, they did a little thing. It was like from the floor, and basically you had a bench, and you put the bench out in the middle, and you stood up on the bench, and you talked about what you wanted to talk about. 
and they did it in the in the conference center. And I talked about doing some strong doing strongman training and using it for conditioning and using it out, you know, for like you know fitness and all of that. And, and I got torn apart. Uh, you guys were you know nitpicking at me and everything else, but I could defend what I wanted to talk about. And I didn't get I didn't get hurt. I didn't get my feelings hurt. All right, yeah, I did a couple of times. I wanted to kick somebody in the head, but uh, <laughs> especially when a couple of years later, one of the guys that would give it that gave me the most amount of crap was in ESPN magazine doing the exact same damn thing that I just talked that I talked about a few years. So. <laughs> Like you could have at least given me a shout out during the during the interview, okay? You could have just at least said something. You know, this this ball headed dude taught me, showed me this at a conference in Phoenix or something. But uh, but for me, education is, is real important, and education doesn't just mean go to university. You know, getting out there talking to people. But the courses, like I said, the one Stu has put together, because that's so much different in 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 field sports, and you know that. For, for for speed speed work and for conditioning, well, we never really get to you know that that perfect running form, high hip, looking around. Oh, if you do, you're going to get you know your head taken off your shoulders. But uh, you know, so he's he's uh, he's kind of listened and, and, and wanting to do that kind of stuff. So that should be a real exciting course when it comes out, um, and I'll get a chance to see it before and uh, give him some give him some feedback on it. So I'm really happy about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, think think about you know. You've been coaching for, for, for a time now. Um, the access to information now has even changed just even for you, guys, for you, hasn't it? Oh, heaps, yeah. The, like I say, there's tons of those t- types of online courses. And, and like I say, it's, it's easy to get to like world-class coaches you know, on your phone. Yeah. You can just you know, send a question. And like I say, most of them are like you. They're, they're pretty open to, to question and, and sharing their knowledge. And I think that, that comes over you know massively talking to you that you know you're you're a student of strength and conditioning and and whether it's in your own training or with your athletes you, and and you know the the network you've built up and and the kind of the stuff you learn from them you it, it comes out very easily and and that's obviously you you're always thinking about how to improve things and stuff like that and it does yeah it does I'll, come across yeah yeah i want to be the i want to be the best for the athletes that i train not one size and it's not one size fits all like i said i love certain things but not everybody's going to like it, so I can find ways around it. There are some things that are non-negotiable, but we'll, we'll work around it. Um, one of our boys, Robbie Coleman, plays played in Australia for a long time. He's got a really nasty uh, shoulder surgery where they kind of had to – I mean, I think his arm goes up to about here. Uh-huh. And he needed to get a little bit stronger, so we were – you know, we used the safety bar squat. Oh, okay, so he's got some shoulder issues in his upper – in his scap and everything else. Like, well – have you ever have you ever belt squatted before? You know, we got like the pit shark, the, you know, the plate loaded belt squat where yeah. you can get some weight on it. You know, not pneumatic or anything else. I introduced it to him, and he was using it. And then a couple of weeks later, he's like, "Mate, my leg." And he's a he's a fifteen. You know, he's a little back. He's like, "Mate, my legs have never felt this good ever." And, you know, he was, he was wanting to do some bench press work or some inclines and he was trying to come down and not use a dumbbell, but he was stopping probably that far from his chest. It's like, dude, you can't really just kind of try to decelerate the weight and then change direction. It's got to, it's got to touch. It's got to hit something, whether it hits the pins and a power rack or an elite lifts has a uh, nice half moon pad that the, the bench pressers will use, you know, for where their bench press shirt takes over. Like instead of using a board, 
you know, two board, yeah. three board, four board. They use this half moon pad. It clicks on the bar pretty well. I put it on the bar for him. He's like, this is fantastic. Like, yeah, it's not the greatest, but it's going to help you not tear your shoulder up even more. And it'll get some strength and put some, you know, put some size back on you. And so trying to find ways around that and in that, that's, that's always going to be, to me, that's the key to a successful program is being able to change stuff on the fly. Because you get guys they never want to go to the physio because nobody wants to go to the physio <laughs> because then you're, you're you're stuck in that abyss over there and it seems like you can never get back out. You know, you got guys, some guys that want to go over there because they got coffee. <laughs> but you got a lot of guys they they, they want to roll through, grab some tape, they want to get something done, but they don't want to be stuck in there. They don't want to be stuck on a on a you know doing extra work on a watt bike or anything else. They just want to. They just need a little bit and. uh much as I love some of my physio buddies, they get a hold of guys and they don't want to let go of them. <laughs> so, the uh, you know, getting them out there and, and keeping them healthy and everything else, you really got to kind of be able to change it on a fly. I get guys that come in on a Monday. We played Saturday. They come in on Monday. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm really sore. I'm really this. I'm really that. I'm like, all right. Well, did you talk to the physio? No, no, I'll talk to them before we go to practice. I'm like, oh, all right. So I'll change some stuff. And then you get guys that want to take advantage of that. And and they'll come in, and they're like that. And then we like to play uh, conditioning games on Monday, you know, get them moving and all of that, and sit out some of the guys that played a lot of minutes. And I see these guys out there, one of the ones that was complaining that he was too sore to lift, and he's out there running around like a maniac. And I was like, all right. It's like, uh, hey, you look like you're moving pretty well. Uh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, tomorrow I got a special workout for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you see them coming in with their tail tucked between their legs the next day like, oh, shit, what's he going to do to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all, we all know players like that. We all know players oh, yeah, like that. yeah. Um, so, last year, because we're running out of time, yeah. uh, where can people learn more about you? You can find me on Instagram at Ed Cosner. Um, Facebook the same way. Actually, Twitter the same way. Man, really... Uh, really uh really different there yeah all of that uh my website is uh power sport strength conditioning and i'll gonna get ready to redo that and uh, get some more information and stuff on there and i have another instagram called type 5 training where i'll i put some of the some work that i do there i get to you think that without all this downtime with the virus and all of that that i'd be doing that more but no (laughs) but I've been, I've been really studying hard on the uh, on the courses from uh, Stu from McMillan and uh, reading um, from uh, Dan Cleaver put the, this book out. You see, yeah, this I've one? seen that on social media. I have to check it's it out. Uh, actually pretty good. Um, and I talked to him. It's actually, it's got some really good stuff in it. And then uh, I went back to reading my uh, uh, the book called The System. Have you looked at that one yet? No, I've actually looked in. Is that the based on the Soviet? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, that's come yeah, up a couple of times. Johnny, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Parker's a him and Al Miller like fantastic school uh, coaches from back in the day with the uh, in the NFL. Uh, There's another Rob that was with them as well. Uh, that uh, it's a really good book. Um, oh, no, so sure. yeah, you have to check that out. So I've been kind of rereading that. I've just been taking the time to do that. Still doing you know some of my own training, some of my own training outside, some of my own uh, you know fitness work and, and that body weight exercises mountain climbers, hill runs, you know, medicine ball throws, stuff that I can do by myself. 
don't need anybody else around. Yeah, awesome. So. No, Ed, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and of course, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll share all the links on the show notes. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Hopefully, this virus, you know, it dies down soon and you can get back to the yeah. season with the MLR. <laughs> Cheers, Ed. So it was great to catch up with Ed and obviously see see what he's been doing the last few years um, and see how, how rugby's developed over in the States as he kind of predicted in that very first podcast. Um, and obviously going from strength to strength. And as we said, hopefully they get back soon to some sort of normality uh, and get some, some games and some training under their belts. Uh, so Ed, thank you very much and all the best. And in the meantime, guys, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, even Spotify, we're on there now. Um, and of course, give us a five-star review and keep checking us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.